Well, hello, and once again, welcome to Vaughn Forest Church. Like I said earlier, my name is Chad. I am one of the pastors on staff here at Vaughn Forest. I'm excited to get to be here with you today. Uh, Like I mentioned during the welcome, I know this is a time of year that we have a lot of new families moving into the Montgomery and Pike Road area. And I just want to say again, man, we are so glad that you are joining us. Whether you're joining us on campus, joining us online, uh, we're honored that you've chosen to spend some time with us here at Vaughn Forest Church. I think in the last three or four weeks, we've had some something like 130-something first-time guests. And so we don't take that for granted. We don't take it lightly. We're so grateful for you. And I want you to hear my heart on this. My heart, especially for our new military families who are coming in, is we want to serve your family and love on your family uh, for as long as you are here with us. So if that's a, a couple of days, if that's weeks, months, a year, years, whatever that looks like, We want to serve your family here at Vaughn Forest Church, and again, we're so grateful uh, that you have joined us today. Uh, Before we get to the message, I want to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what's going to be coming up over the next several weeks here at Vaughn Forest Church. Next Sunday, July 30th, I am so excited. We have our friend Nick Pearson, who's going to be joining us, bringing God's Word. Uh, If you've been at Vaughn Forest Church for any amount of time, you probably remember Nick has been here several times and come and taught here, and uh, Nick does a fantastic job. Y'all are going to love Nick. He is hilarious. Uh, He is energetic. Last time he was here, he showed a video of himself like skydiving and somehow related that to scripture. It was awesome. And uh, most importantly, Nick does a great job unpacking what God's word says. So that's going to be next Sunday, July 30th, 930 and 11 a.m. If for some reason you're not going to be here on campus, you are not going to want to miss it online. Uh, You can always join us online at VaughnForest.com. I know you guys are going to enjoy that. The next Sunday, August 6th, we are kicking off a four-week series called Game Plan here at Vaughn Forest Church that's going to carry us all throughout the month of August. So I don't know if you guys know this or not, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but summer is starting to draw to a close. I don't know about y'all, but I know my wife and I, we've already started receiving emails from our kids' school with like school list supplies, with homeroom assignments, all of that, and I want to keep it away as far as possible, but to tell you this morning, because I need to speak truth, summer is beginning to draw to a close, and we know that when summer starts to draw to a close, and when it's time to get back into the swing of things, whether it be school, whether it just be normal fall rhythms, that oftentimes that can bring out a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, trying to be at a million different places at once and trying to kind of get back into the swing of things after the summer ends. And so what we want to do, because God's word is not silent on these topics, we want to help you with a game plan to deal with the stress with the anxiety, a game plan as your marriage goes throughout all that so it can thrive, a game plan as you parent, a game plan as you exist in your community and ways for you to thrive in that. So all throughout the month of August, we are going to be looking at the game plan as we move into the fall and uh, covering a different topic each week. And I know that you guys are going to enjoy that, so make sure that you are here for it. And then finally, this evening is our kids camp and parent experience. And I am so excited about this. We've talked about this a lot over the last uh, month or so, but again, just to give you a quick reminder what it is, kids, if you have kids uh, that are babies up through middle school, they do not want to miss our kids camp. It is an incredibly fun time. They're gonna gather over in the East Auditorium for a big group time with high energy worship and teaching. We feed them dinner. 
There are crafts, there is recreation, there's all kinds of fun stuff for them and, and where they get to learn about God's word and have fun together. And then for those families who are new to Montgomery, new to Pike Road, uh, new to Vaughn Forest, we have our parent experience for the parents and that's an opportunity for us to kind of fill you in on, hey, while you're here with us, here are some really cool places for you to take your family. Here are some really cool events that happen throughout the year. There's trivia with some really fun prizes, so you're not gonna wanna miss that. And then there is dinner uh, for the parents as well. We cater in Chipotle. Uh, it's really good stuff. You're not going to want to miss it. So if you are new to Montgomery, new to Pike Road, new to Vaughn Forest, make sure you are signed up for this. And then tomorrow, or excuse me, yes, tomorrow night, Monday night, we have our big family party. And that's going to be out front. There are water inflatables. There are food trucks. Uh, Nancy's Italian Ice is there. And it's just an opportunity for us to all kind of get to hang out with one another. So lots of stuff coming up over the next little bit here at Vaughn Forest Church. And uh, you're not going to want to miss any of it. But for today, we are going to be talking about something that we began a conversation on a couple of weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we talked about biblical community here at Vaughn Forest Church and the importance that community plays in our life, that God has designed us to be in relationships with one another. And we said that there are three different components to the, our relationship with Jesus. There is the personal one-on-one -on -one component. That's like our time in our quiet time, when we're praying, when we're reading God's word. So there's a personal component. The second, there is a corporate component. That's what we're doing right now. That's when we gather together at church and we worship together and we hear God's word proclaimed. So there's a personal component. There's a corporate component. And then we said there is a communal component a communal component, biblical community. And that communal component are things like uh, life groups or accountability groups. And we talked about how it's oftentimes in that communal component that we actually grow the most in our faith. Now, why is that? It's because that is oftentimes when we are challenged the most to grow in our faith, when we're meeting with other brothers and sisters in Christ and we're diving into God's word together, when we're holding one another accountable. And if you missed that message from two weeks ago, you can always head over to vaughnforest.com. Get called up, check that message out. But I want to continue that conversation because we said in that communal component, there's another way for us to grow in our faith and to experience biblical community, and that is through serving. It is through service. It is through serving alongside our other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so today, that's what we are going to be talking about. And the title of our message today is Serving with Love. You may have seen that on the back of cars on some bumper stickers, Serve with Love. We're going to be talking about what it means to serve with love, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 today. So we're not going to have time to cover the entirety of those two chapters of the Bible. We're going to be moving around a little bit, but we're going to take a look at Paul's letter to the church in Corinth and his instructions to them about why it's important to serve, how to serve, and ultimately the motivation behind all of it. So one of the things that I have observed in my life, and I don't know if this is true or you or not, I'm willing to bet it is, is that I find that I am the most happy and content and fulfilled when I am serving, when I am doing something, when I am out not just sitting at home. I mean, it's good for us to be able to chill and relax and go on vacations. Like, that's a good thing. I love cruising. My wife and I, we are cruise people. And we learned early on in our marriage like that this was going to be the best compromise for us because Christy, my wife, she can sit like at the beach or beside a pool all day long 
and just be perfectly content and, and never have to get up and never go do anything, if I sit there for more than about 30 minutes, I start going stir crazy. I gotta do something. So for us, cruising was a great compromise. She gets to sit by a pool. I get to wake up in a new location every single day. It saved our marriage. Follow me for more marriage tips, right? So it's a good thing. Vacations are good. It's good for us to relax and take a little bit of time off. But too much of that can certainly be a bad thing. And I'm willing to bet that you've had the same experience that I have, where maybe you've had a weekend where you didn't really have anything going on, and you sat at home, probably sat on the couch, watched TV, maybe you had plans to do something around the house to clean or do yard work, and eventually you just didn't do it, and you just sat around, and then before you know it, Sunday evening shows up, and you just feel blah. You feel like you wasted your entire evening. And like not doing anything sounds kind of great on the front end. And again, there are seasons where we do need to relax. But if that's something that becomes a habit in our life, and if it's something that happens often in our lives, eventually we start to get depressed, we start to feel down, and we do not feel fulfilled. Contrast that to the times in your life where you have had the opportunity to go out and maybe do a service project or help a friend move or maybe work in the yard or just get something done. Although you may be tired at the end of that, I am willing to bet that you feel a lot more fulfilled. And the reason is, is because God has designed us for both rest and work. There are healthy rhythms of both rest and work in our lives, but God has put in us a desire for purpose and a desire to serve one another. And as a pastor, one of my favorite things that I get to do is when folks come to me and they say, hey, Chad, we want to serve, we want to get involved, can you help us find a place to get connected and plugged into serving? Because oftentimes when we serve, that is when we feel the most fulfilled. So what I want to do today is we're going to go through 1 Corinthians, like I said, 12 and 13. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 1. And again, we're not going to go through every bit of it. But what I want to do is take a look at a couple of different verses where Paul is unpacking for them the importance of serving, how we serve, why we serve. And then at the end of our time today, uh, we're going to have some very practical ways that you can get involved with serving. Now, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, which I think does the best job kind of unpacking and explaining what Paul is writing here to the church in Corinth. So your translation may be a little bit different, but it all means the same thing. So picking it up in 1 Corinthians 12, verse one, and we're going to go all the way through verse three here. Paul writes, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So let's leave this up here for a little bit. When Paul writes here about special abilities, what he is referring to is spiritual gifts. And what Paul is saying to these folks in the church in Corinth is that they have been ignorant about a few things, about a few things involving spiritual gifts and serving. He is saying that their ignorance is starting to cause problems and it's starting to cause division. And so to unpack why this is, I got to give you a little bit of background on the folks of the church in Corinth. Now, Paul talks about their pagan ways. See, before these people, uh, the folks at the church in Corinth became followers of Jesus, they 
were pagans. Corinth, this letter was written in around 53 AD, and Corinth was a city located in the peninsula of Greece. This was not mostly filled with Hebrews. This was mostly filled with Romans and with Greeks. And so their previous interaction with religion had been paganism, and they did not really have a clear understanding of one God. They thought that there were many gods. And so the way things worked for them back then is if you saw someone else had something that you wanted, you would go and you would make a sacrifice to that little G God, and hopefully you, that God would notice you and give you what you were asking for. So for example, if you wanted better crops, you would go find the god or goddess of crops, you would make a sacrifice on their altar, and they would hopefully bless you with good crops. If there was a guy or a girl you were interested in, you would go find the god or the goddess of romance and love, and you would make a sacrifice, hoping that that god or goddess would give you what you want. If you were struggling, you went to that god or goddess. This was their worldview. They did not understand one god, one monotheistic religion, which is what we have. They didn't know the law. These were Gentiles. These were not Hebrews. So when they're saved and they become followers of Jesus, and they see all of these different folks in their church with these spiritual gifts or special abilities, as the New Living Translation says, they see it and they go, man, I want what that guy's got that's a really cool gift. I want that. And what they were doing is they were then going and making sacrifices in an attempt to try to get those spiritual gifts. They were reverting back to their pagan ways. And Paul is saying, stop doing that. You're being ignorant and it is causing problems. And what he says here, leave the scripture up here. He says that I want you to know that no one speaking by the spirit of God will curse Jesus, which isn't to say there was someone walking around in the church of Corinth going, curse Jesus. That's not what he's saying. And he says, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying here is he is saying you can't have a foot in both worlds. You cannot have a foot in paganism and have a foot following Jesus. You have to be all in on Jesus. You can't look back at what you were and be that anymore. You have to be all in on Jesus. So when he says that these people will say Jesus is Lord, he's saying these are the folks who have said that they are all in on Jesus. Now, this does not mean that we are perfect. This does not mean that we are perfect. It just means that we are willing and we believe that God will bless us with these gifts, that we will follow him, that we will serve him to the best of our ability when we say that we are all in for Jesus. And this is going to take us to our first point, which is this, that serving with love requires faith and willingness, not perfection. Serving with love requires faith and willingness, not perfection. I think that a lot of us, if I were to ask and poll in this room, a lot of us maybe are hesitant to step up and serve and do what God has called us to because we think that others are going to look at us and go, man, what gives that person the right? What makes them think that they can serve with kids or students or even just greet at a door, whatever else it may be? And what happens is when we get asked to step up and serve or when we consider stepping up and serving and doing what it is that God has called us to, we become very aware of our own deficiencies. We become very aware. And that in and of itself is not a bad thing. It is good for us to be reminded that we need Jesus every single day. But 
If you let that hold you back and if you let that drag you down and keep you from fulfilling the purpose that God has for you, keep you from using the spiritual gifts that God has given to you, then that becomes a bad thing. And understand, if you're listening to me talk this morning and you feel inadequate when Paul is talking about these spiritual gifts, here's what that's called, completely normal, completely normal. And that is actually when God can use us the most. 100%. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says that it is in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. So if you were at a place where you feel inadequate to serve, then guess what? You are right where the Lord wants you to be and right where you can be used. It does not require perfection. It just requires a simple trust and a willingness to step up and do whatever it is that the Lord has called you to. So Paul has begun this chapter by helping them understand what spiritual gifts are not or how we don't get them, and now he's going to unpack for them how this does work, picking it up in verse 4. Paul writes, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. So it's Paul reminding them, hey, in this pagan way, the way you used to do things, you thought that there were these gods who don't actually exist, and you made sacrifices to them to get what you want. He is saying that there are all of these different spiritual gifts, and there are all these different things that God offers. He says it all comes from the same source. It all comes from God. And what's really interesting here is how Paul is kind of unpacking also the Trinity for them. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He says that it is God the Father when he creates us that puts gifts in us. And he says when we are saved, it is the Holy Spirit who activates those gifts in us. And as we grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus, that is also how we grow in our spiritual gifting. And see, we have all been given different gifts of the Spirit. Everyone in this room, everyone who is listening to me, whether you feel it or not, God has gifted you in an incredible way. And I love what Paul is saying here. He's saying that to every individual who is a believer in Christ, you have been gifted. You have been gifted. You have been given gifts by God. And that is a truth that I want you to hear me say this morning, because you may be sitting there saying, I don't feel very gifted by God, but the scripture says that you have been gifted by God. So if that's true, again, why do so many of us hesitate to stand up and use the gifts that God has given us? Maybe it's, we're intimidated. Maybe we don't think we have the ability to do what it is that God's calling us to. We talked about that a second ago. Maybe we feel like we might embarrass ourselves. Maybe if we feel like if we get in front of folks and and we're serving and they see us and maybe there's some people that know a little bit more about us or we've done some things that are embarrassing, maybe we think that we would be embarrassed if we were to stand up and serve. Maybe it's simple. Maybe we think we don't have the time. Maybe you're busy and you're like, Chad, I would love to serve. I would love to be a part of this, but I don't know how I'm going to fit one more thing in my schedule. And I get it. We're all busy. We all have a lot going on. And like I said, we're about to enter into a season where that even ramps up. Or maybe we just don't know what opportunities exist. Maybe you're like, Chad, I would love to serve, but I have absolutely zero idea where I would even begin to get plugged in. The problem with all those lines are thinking, and I understand every single one of those concerns, and there's plenty more that may keep you from serving. I get everything about that. I understand. Life is busy. There is a lot going on. But the problem with that is that when we think that way, it turns us into spectators instead of participants. And that's going to be our second point for today, which is this, that serving with love requires me to be a participant, not a spectator. 
Serving with love requires me to be a participant, not a spectator. Action is required to serve. It's not just like it's something that's going to fall in our lap. And I'd like to say something today, church, and I want you to hear my heart on this and know that I love you. We are so grateful that you were here at Vaughn Forest Church. We are so grateful for that. We are so grateful that your family's here. We want to serve your family. We want to love on your family for as long as you are with us and beyond. But understand that if you are not involved in serving, you are missing out on one of the best ways to grow in your faith with Jesus. I'll say it again. If you are not involved with serving, you are missing out on one of the best ways to grow in your faith with Jesus. And if you don't participate, and if all you do is spectate, you are never going to get to experience everything that the Lord has for you. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Chad, you're a pastor. Like, your job is to fill volunteer spots, right? Like, like your job is to make sure Sunday mornings happen. And hear me again, that is not my heart on any of this. The reason that we have volunteer and service opportunities here at Vaughn Forest Church is not so that we can make Sunday mornings happen. It's so that you can experience the fullness of walk with Jesus. So you can experience the joy that comes along with serving. You can experience the peace that comes along with fulfilling the purpose and using the gifts that God has placed in your life. Serving is a benefit to your walk with the Lord. It is so important that we do so. And so we have these service opportunities not so that we can have enough folks. We have service opportunities around here so that you can experience that. And so we encourage everyone to participate and not just spectate. Don't just sit on the sidelines. And like I said, at the end of our time here together today, we're going to have some real practical ways for you to do that. We don't ever want to give you a problem without giving you a solution. So Paul is going to take a couple of verses here, uh, and he's going to go through some of the different spiritual gifts. And this is not an exhaustive list, okay? This is not every single spiritual gift that exists. And we don't have time to go through all of that today, or else we would be here literally all day. As a matter of fact, we could probably do an entire sermon series, and maybe we'll do that at some point, on the different spiritual gifts that exist and knowing how to find what your spiritual gifts are. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about that, On your connection card today, just write spiritual gifts, make sure your name and your email is on there, and we will send you some resources uh, in the next week or so to help you discover what your spiritual gifts may be. But what I want to do is I want to jump to uh, verse 12 here, where Paul is going to continue talking. He is going to begin comparing serving, and he's going to compare the church to our physical bodies. And I think this is a fantastic analogy. So picking it up in verse 12, Paul writes this. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And if I could sum up here what Paul is saying in these verses, it would simply be this. 
Be who God has designed you to be. Be who God has designed you to be. And I'm not saying that in some sort of new look on the outside, how you feel on the inside kind of thing, but what I am saying is that God has designed you in an incredibly unique way. He's given you unique traits. He's given you a personality. He's given you unique gifts. God has designed you uniquely, and as Mr. Rogers says, there is nobody else quite like you. You are unique. And what he, this is saying, the scripture, what Paul is saying is, be who God has designed you to be. And as we mentioned earlier, one of the things that often keeps us from exercising the gifts that God has for us is oftentimes we can get jealous. We want to do what somebody else is doing. That is what was happening in the church in Corinth, is they were seeing these other folks with these amazing gifts, and as we mentioned earlier, they were making these sacrifices trying to get those gifts, and Paul is saying that is not how it works. Instead, God has designed each of you individually and uniquely to fulfill the purpose that he has for you, although it can be difficult because we see other folks doing things sometimes that we wish that we could do. This has been true for me in my life. When I felt called to ministry when I was a teenager, uh, I remember thinking the one thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to be a worship leader. I loved music. Played the drums, was picking up guitar, loved it. Loved playing music, loved every single thing about it. I was like, yep, I'm going to be a worship leader and this is going to be awesome. The only problem with that, as my wife and kids can tell you as they've heard me singing in the car, it is a joyful noise only into the Lord. If I were to start singing now, it would not be a good thing. Folks would start running. They would scream. People would wondering who's killing a cat. It would not be a good thing. Now, what's ironic is I remember when I said, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll go into full-time ministry, but I don't ever want to get up on a Sunday morning and preach. That's not what I'm going to do. Here we are. Interesting the path that the Lord takes us down. But I love this analogy that Paul uses here of a human body because ultimately if one part of our body is not working and doing what it is supposed to do, then the rest of our body ends up suffering. Now, the church, the Big C Church, which we are all about the Big C Church here at Vaughn Forest, the Big C Church is going to stand. Jesus says in uh, Matthew 16 that the gates of hell will not triumph against the church. The church will stand. However, our local body of believers certainly can suffer if we are not fulfilling the purpose that God has placed on us. But what that requires is for us to give up our own wants, our own desires, to give up what we think is best and submit to what it is, the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. And this is going to bring us to point number three, which is this, that serving with love requires obedience and humility, not what we think is best. And this is a tough one. But serving with love requires obedience and humility, not what we think is best. See, all of us, as we've talked about, have been uniquely designed. God has made all of us unique. So we all have a unique design, but in God's church, we all have a uniformed purpose. And Jesus gave us that purpose. He gave us his marching orders in Matthew 28 when he gave us the Great Commission, and he told us to go and make disciples of all nations. And so while all of us matter, you are loved by God 
You matter. You have purpose. God has a plan for your life, and you've all been uniquely gifted. Ultimately, we sacrifice the things that we want in order for the greater good of the body. And what Paul is writing here is that we are to submit to one another. We are to submit to what God has for us. We are not to seek a claim for ourselves. We are to humbly serve, and when that happens, everything is, is going and is going a way that it needs to. It is going the way that God had planned. And so for the next 11 verses here, because again, we're jumping around a little bit, Paul is going to continue this analogy of the church being like the human body. And then it's really interesting what's going to happen at the end of chapter 12 and verse 31, because Paul is going to shift gears pretty dramatically. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. So verse 31, Paul says this, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Now your translation may say the greatest gifts, but literally what Paul is saying here is you should desire the gifts that are going to be most helpful to the body of Christ. But then out of nowhere, Paul shift, shifts gears hard, and he says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Your translation may say, I will now show you the most excellent way. And it's so interesting because this next chapter, what Paul is about to write, 1 Corinthians 13, it's one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. We see it read at weddings all of the time. But as you look at this letter, the context of what Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 13 is about serving. It's about service. These chapters and verses were added much later uh, so that we could find different reference points of Scripture more easy. And so all of this was one letter. So as they're reading this, Paul's been talking about serving, why it's important to serve, how we should serve, and then he shifts gears. And what he's about to do is he is going to give us the why behind the what. He's going to say, ultimately, here is why we serve. And so let's pick it up in 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Paul says this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And so what Paul is writing about here, this way that is best of all, the point of all scripture and the point of everything, it is love. Love is the point. And Paul says that these different spiritual gifts Knowing what your gifts are, using your gifts, serving with your gifts, those are all incredibly important aspects of the Christian's life. But ultimately, gifts are not the point. The point is love. Love is the foundation that everything that we do is built upon. And if that foundation is there, then Paul is saying here that none of the rest of it matters, that love is supreme. In Colossians, Paul is going to write this. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So these are all good things that we need to do. And then he says, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So above everything else that we have, we put on love. When Jesus was talking to his disciples in the book of John, in chapter 15, he says this, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And what Jesus is saying, and what Paul is writing here, is that love requires us to put others ahead of ourselves. Love requires us to put others first, and this is gonna bring us to our last point for today, which is this, that serving with love requires sacrifice, which is the truest expression of love. Serving with love requires sacrifice, which is the truest expression of love. Sacrifice is always involved when we love, and it's the standard that Jesus has given us. And it may not be sacrifice of your life, Oftentimes, most of the time, it's something a lot more simple. I think about a husband and a wife sacrificing for one another, putting one another first. I think about when my kids come home, and I've had a long day. I've worked all day. I got up early, came home, cooked dinner, we cleaned up, and all I want to do is go and sit on the couch, and my kids say, Dad, I need help with homework. And let me tell you that my wife, man, she does that way better than I do. She serves our family with love, sacrificing her desires, her wants, her time for us because that is how we express love. It could be something simple like letting someone else have their own way. It could be not saying something when you feel like, man, all I want to do is rage against this person, but you love that person. So you sacrifice your wants and your desires for them. And in that, you are serving them. And this grows us in our relationships with each other, and it grows us in our relationships with Jesus. Paul is going to sum up the importance of love here at the end of chapter 13. He says this, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And what Paul is saying is he is saying that spiritual gifts exist, but love is a way of life. Why do we do what we do? Love. Gifts, they are significant, but ultimately, love is supreme. These gifts, they are temporary, but love is eternal. And love is one of the only things that we have here on this earth that will exist forever and is already in its perfected form. I love how the hymn, Gracious Spirit, Holy Ghost, puts it. It says this, that faith will vanish into sight, hope will be emptied into light, love in heaven will shine more bright. There will be a day that our faith is sight. We won't have faith when we get to heaven. We will see Jesus. We won't have to believe it anymore. We won't have to have hope anymore because it will be there in front of us. All the things that we have hoped for will be realized. However, love, love will continue on for all of eternity. And the way we express that love here on earth is through sacrifice for one another, serving one another. Another one of my favorite songs called So Will I puts it this way. It says, I can see your heart in everything you've done, every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart a billion different ways, every precious one, a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. 
So why do we do what we do? Love. What's the foundation that our spiritual gifts and all of our service flourishes in? Love. What motivates us? Love. How will the world know who we are and whose we are and what we stand for? How we love one another. The band's gonna come out here in just a moment and lead us in a time of response. But ultimately, all of this begs the question, what does this mean for us today? What does it mean for you? What is it that God's calling you to? What act of love, what act of service is the Lord calling you to? What does it look like in your life to show the love of Jesus to others? Maybe it's serving someone in your family. Maybe it's serving one of your friends, something in your personal life. Maybe it's getting involved serving the body of Christ through the church. Maybe it's getting involved in serving the community in some way, shape, or form. If you look, take out your connection card and turn it over to the back. If you're looking for some ways to get involved, there are a bunch that are listed on here. Maybe you want to serve with guest services or serve with kids, serve with students, serve in the worship or production teams. We've got something coming up August 1st through the 8th. You've heard about it called Love Week where we get to go into our community and serve with no strings attached, different schools. We get to serve widows. We get to do yard work. We get to repair things. We get to clean up. We get to write encouraging notes. We get to cook things. No matter your skill level, there's an opportunity for you to get involved. And if you feel that the Lord is tugging at your heart to get involved through service, this is one of the best ways I know how to do it. And if you want more information, check that box. There's a table out in the lobby that you can swing by and get some more information there in a little bit. But my encouragement to you, whatever it is that the Lord is calling you today, whatever that next step of service, that deeper level of love, take that step. Do what it is the Lord's called you to. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you love us. God, we thank you that you performed the ultimate act of service when you died for us on the cross. And so, Father, I thank you that we can love one another and serve one another. God, you set the example that we can follow in that. And God, I pray now for the person who is in the sound of my voice, maybe in this room, watching online, whatever it may be. God, I just pray that you would stir their hearts and whatever it is that you were calling them to, that they would have the boldness to take that step. We love you, Jesus. And I pray that now as we respond and worship God, you would speak to our hearts. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We invite you to stand as we worship together.